الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وقل لعبادي يقولوا التي هي احسن صدق الله العظيم most respected students of deen mothers and sisters Every time when we start off, we say most respected students of deen. And this is not just something as a customary thing, or well, for the sake of saying it. But indeed, this is meant to keep highlighting to us that the ilm of deen and deen itself, this is indeed what is worthy of respect and worthy of the greatest respect. because deen and the ilm of deen which ilm which is ilm in reality that is what will take us to our destination safely with the fazl of allah tbarak wa taala that is what will make one recognize his creator his sustainer his nourisher that is what will make one want to move towards allah taala and without that everything is just an illusion it seems like there is lot of fun there is lot of uh enjoyment out there in the dunya that is what it seems to be but ask those who are aware that what goes on behind the scenes there is only misery there is a false sense of happiness and false sense of pleasure and enjoyment and fun and excitement but the reality is very different the reality is extremely different example of this is one very small little example just to understand it that in the trains in india even here locally perhaps i've never traveled on a local train so i don't know but in india the person jumps on the train he takes a seat nobody knows whether this person has bought a ticket or not at that stage nobody knows as the train is in progress it's on the journey now the ticket collector comes around and he wants to check everybody's ticket so now sometimes there's a person who is sitting in the first class coach but this person jumped in the first class coach without a ticket so apparently he seems to be having a grand time he's sitting in an air conditioned coach nice good comfortable seat and all the facilities available but ask his heart he's on the edge i don't know when this ticket collector is going to come and i'm going to be in big trouble i'll get arrested i'll get fined they'll throw me into prison maybe or whatever else will happen and then there's somebody who is in the third class coach so it might be a little bit cramped up also the seat is not very comfortable there's no air conditioner so he's in some kind of apparent difficulty but he's got the ticket in his hand so he is in some physical discomfort but his heart is at ease that i got no problem on the journey and i won't get thrown off the train the next step the next stop that will come i won't be now shunted out and sent into one police station and maybe then into some prison all these things i'm safe from because i've got the ticket to the destination so likewise a person with the ticket of iman and righteous actions staying away from guna and sin 
doing what Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala has commanded, he's got that ticket in his hand, and even though he may outwardly sometimes be in some physical discomfort, and that discomfort, dunya is not a place of jannat. Dunya is not jannat. Dunya is, after all, dunya. So there is sometimes some physical discomfort due to circumstances, due to conditions, whatever. And we are insan, we are human beings, so we do feel the discomfort. But, when the person has got this ticket of iman and amal saliha, righteous actions, staying away from haram, doing what Allah Ta'ala has ordered, staying away from what Allah Ta'ala has forbidden, then his heart remains at ease. His heart remains peaceful. And therefore you would never ever hear and you can go through all the pages of history about all the personalities of deen that any person who was a true Allahwala that he even on one occasion entertained the thought also of suicide. It never occurred to him. No matter what his condition outwardly was. Because the real place is the heart. And his heart is attached to Allah Ta'ala. So therefore when his heart is attached to Allah Ta'ala, then he takes all the challenges of dunya in his stride. He also feels a discomfort physically. He also feels the pain emotionally. But he takes everything in his stride and his heart is at peace. On the other hand, a person can be in the lap of luxury. But if his heart is not attached to Allah Ta'ala, he is not obedient to Allah Ta'ala, he is doing whatever he wants, not performing salah, engaging in haram, keeping in contact with haram people, meaning that are haram for him, then all this is going to bring a restlessness in the heart. And as a result, a person will find that there will be no peace in life. To give up the haram, it does have a challenge. Why is the challenge there? Because from one side, shaitan is pulling. Nafs and shaitan are pulling from one direction. And from the other direction, you are pulling. So now, on the one side, nafs and shaitan are pulling. That Where are you going from here? You have been involved in this and that and the other. And especially things that, are, that catch a person emotionally. And these emotions are actually the root issue in many, many things. This is a totally different topic, but now that we've touched on it, just to get into this issue, issue of emotions, if a person learns how to control those emotions, then 90% of the battle is won. In almost any aspect of life, for example, a person gets angry. Now what is anger? Anger is an emotion. Now there are those who know how to learn and then know how to control the anger. And there are those who don't know how to control it. Everybody gets angry. Somebody more, somebody less. There is nobody who doesn't have this emotion of anger in them. It's a human emotion. And neither are we required to remove the emotion of anger from ourselves. Because that is not something that is possible that you remove something that is natural. But what is required is to learn where to vent the anger. Our anger gets vented for dunya only. 
for personal selves only. For things that don't have any basis in deen. For example, we'll get angry because somebody didn't include us in their circle of friends, for example. Or we will get angry because somebody didn't share something with us. Or somebody didn't give us the consideration that we thought we deserved. Or somebody didn't deal with us in a way that we thought we were entitled to. All different kinds of things of this nature. So we get very upset. But does it happen the same that when something of deen has gone wrong, somebody has transgressed the laws of deen, do we feel upset at that time? Yes, there is a way of how to handle that as well. But do we feel any degree of discomfort, any anger, any thing within our heart that this is wrong? The way this person is conducting himself or herself, this is against the commands of Allah Ta'ala. So there is some anger should be in stirring within. But yes, how that is vented also is something to learn. But that emotion, does it come to the fore at that time? So most of the time, in our case, it does not come to the fore. But for personal things, it will come to the fore. Which means that this anger is misplaced. The anger is a required thing, but it has its place. So what we are required to do is, for these personal things, مَنْ In the Quran Sharif also Allah says, those who restrain their anger. And the Hadith Sharif also Nabi Sallallahu says, the one who restrains his anger. So it's there, but it's like a wild horse. You have to keep the horse also, but you have to restrain it from just bolting in any direction. So, if a person has learned how to control this emotion of anger, then he won't blurt out things. He won't say things out of turn. He won't do something that will then, he will have to regret the next day. Because now he did things in anger, now he caused a bigger problem, caused a greater damage. Where did this damage come from? From anger. Now somebody said something or did something, we felt that this was against our honor, against our dignity. Or, so now we became very angry. So what we did? Now we cut ties from the person. Why? Because of the anger. Now we cut ties from the person. Then that matter got sorted out also, but that anger didn't subside. So we still maintained that situation of cutting ties from an immediate relative, some close friend. So now this relative now we cut ties from, we are now under the shadow of Allah Ta'ala's wrath for breaking family ties, for cutting off ties, because this is not for deen, this is for nafs. Now it's for nafs. Now what is taking it to that point? Anger. So how severe this, now this is all an aspect of emotion. Because a person couldn't control that emotion of anger. Then there's an emotion, for example, in a person of uh, feeling that I I am somebody. Now that's an emotion. As a result of that, a person now becomes very, very select, meaning deals with people in, a dif- in differing ways. Somebody, this person doesn't fit my class. This person is not somebody who fits my position and status in society. I am somebody from an upper class. This person, a lower class. Now what are we doing? 
we are despising somebody. This is a major sin. Why are we despising somebody? Because we are thinking something of ourselves. If got a superior complex, we are suffering from a superior complex, superiority complex. Now, as a result, now this is an emotion. We are feeling something about ourselves. So we are getting carried away by that emotion. So now we are disregarding the next person. We are looking down upon the next person, shunning the next person away because of thinking that that person is inferior to us. Now this is a severe problem. This is a terrible ailment. One person, one day, something happened between him and Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala. Hazrat Bilal radiallahu was an Abyssinian and this person was an Arab. So he taunted him something on the note of his color. Now this was still the early days. They were still being taught. This was the time of Tarbiyat. So they made mistakes. But when they learnt it once, they learnt it forever. That mistake didn't happen again in that manner. So in any case, this person, he blurted something by mistake. And he taunted as a Bilal something which regarded his color. Nabi Islam came to know about this. He became very upset. And he said to that person, You still have ignorance in you. Jahiliyat. You have come into Islam, but this element of ignorance is still in you. The aspect of Jahiliyat. And Nabi Islam reprimanded him. So this was a lesson that don't let these old emotions still remain. Now this is an aspect of emotion. This is a completely different topic as we said. In any case, what we started discussing, we've gone into another direction. But this is an important point to bear in mind. That these emotions are things that we have to learn how to keep in check. How to control. How to handle these things. Jealousy is an emotion. Now a person is feeling jealous. Now we have to handle this correctly. Now shaitan whispered that emotion. So now, a person can't get just washed into that. Like the flood waters. Every, the flood waters washes away what? Every piece of dirt just gets carried away. But something, the lion, it swims upstream. The flood waters can't make any dent on its direction. So we have to become the lions for the sake of deen. The lions meaning at heart, in terms of our strength of iman. In terms of our control over our emotions. So now this jealousy now, which shaitan whispered it, immediately you make dua for the person. Ya Allah, you increase his ni'mats. Grant him even more. Grant him the best of dunya and akhirat. And you're making some isale sawab to the person also. Giving some hadiyah sometimes. You are making salam first always. Now you've learned how to handle this emotion. You'll find very quickly it'll get cleared up. Now this emotion of pride has come. You're looking down on somebody. You don't want to associate with the person because you feel you're better off. So now you have learned how to handle this emotion. You are stamping that emotion of pride. And you are making the effort to associate with the person who you are looking down on. Obviously somebody who it's permissible to associate with. Not some ghair mahram, non-mahram. So now you are trampling that emotion of pride and you are lowering yourself 
not lowering yourself in the sense that you are somebody, but in terms of what your mind is telling you, that now you are somebody, so you lower yourself from that, what is in your mind, and bring yourself down to reality. So now you are learning how to control that emotion. These emotions will keep running through the mind. There is an emotion in terms of some relationship. Sometimes it is a haram relationship. It develops all kinds of emotions. Now a person then sometimes, after going through some phase in life, person comes to reality that this is haram, this is impermissible, so now I need to move on from here. But shaitan is not going to just let the person move on. So shaitan is going to drag from the other end. And is going to stir these emotions. But to learn how to control that emotion, at that moment, that emotion will come. But not to get trapped in that emotion. To understand this from one incident, once Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar they were in some conversation. And they were also human beings. But very great human beings. But despite being very great human beings, a human being, besides the Anbiya Alayhim who are masum, any human being, despite his greatness, sometimes some small error can take place. Some small little error, mistake, he's not masum, the Anbiya Alayhim are masum. So some small error can take place. So that small error that takes place sometimes doesn't decrease the person's status and position in any way. But what actually is the thing to see is that how he makes up for his error which takes him to a higher level. So one day, Hazrat Abu Bakr and Umar were in some conversation and then some something just happened and they began sort of, uh, you may say, arguing, arguing some point or some aspect. We shouldn't think about their arguments like how we have arguments. Person goes off the handle, as they say, and he's using all kinds of languages and he's shouting and screaming and swearing and whatever else. No, this was just that now some voices got raised a bit and both were vigorously debating the point. But in that, Hazrat Abu Bakr said something which Hazrat Umar got felt hurt about. When he felt hurt about something that was said to him, which wasn't something that was Nauzubillah vulgar, but it was something that he didn't feel nice about. So he woke up and he started walking away. Abu Bakr immediately realized that what I said was not the appropriate thing. Now this is the Kamal of a person. That, number one, he immediately picks it up that this was out of place. We do things, we don't even realize what we did. We cause so much of damage and we don't even, it doesn't even cross our mind that what we did. By blurting things, by doing things, by conducting ourselves sometimes in some ways, we don't realize whose heart we are breaking, or sometimes the manner in which we dealt with somebody, or now, for example, in the Hadith Sharif it comes, if three people are sitting somewhere, then two people must not whisper to one another something. Why? Because the third person 
would now feel hurt that I am being excluded from something. I don't even know whether they are talking about me now. Now to what extent Nabi Salaam has taught us to consider the feelings of others. To show that compassion, to show that kindness. This is the basic requirements of a mu'min. In terms of akhlaq. Let me consider others. Consider their feelings. Put ourselves in the shoes of others. Now Nabi Salaam is saying, when three people are there, then two people should not just talk quietly to one another and exclude the third. If there's four people and you have something to say privately, then you tell it to this person. The other two will talk, they will have something. But you don't leave one person out. Otherwise now, you are hurting the person's emotions and feelings. So Nabi Sallallahu taught us how to consider all this. But in any case now, the lesson to learn here is that those who have this reality in them, the people of Kamal, of goodness and perfection, if they make a mistake also, they pick it up immediately. Then the second thing which shows the excellence in the person, it shows the true worth of the person. That as soon as the person picked up the mistake, number one, he has that ability to pick up that mistake quickly too. And then as soon as he picks it up, there are no obstacles in rectifying it. Nothing holds him back to sort it out. Unlike us, one is we won't even pick up our mistake. We'll cause big damage and we won't even realize what we did. Then somebody points it out to us, we'll fight with that person. Who are you to tell me? What right you got to tell me? If we don't do that, then to now we don't have the heart to go and sort it out. To go and rectify the problem. We'll remain on our situation. Abu Bakr immediately realizes, and whereas among all the Sahaba, he is given that position, the Sahaba themselves say that in the time of Nabi Wasallam, we must regard Abu Bakr as the most superior among us, meaning among the Sahaba. That after Nabi Wasallam, it is his rank. Abu Bakr has that rank and he could have used that to his advantage to pressure the situation. But what does he do? He immediately wakes up and he goes behind Hazrat Umar and he says to him, please forgive me, what I said was wrong. You tell the same to me. Now imagine a person of this caliber, person who has that position, that status, and he is not finding it below his dignity to ask for forgiveness. Nothing is hurt, stopping him from that. It was my error, but now as a result of the error I hurt somebody's feeling. I need to sort it out, I need to clear it, clear it up. So nothing is holding him back to go and ask for forgiveness. Any case, Hazrat Umar at that time was feeling hurt. It's all just happened. So it just happened, he was hurt. So he didn't say anything. He didn't reply anything. He carried on walking. And he went away into his house and he closed the door behind him. When he closed the door behind him, Abu Akalan is walking behind him. He went into his house and he closed the door. So now that the door is closed, now what does he do? So now this is bothering him that what I did was not right. But in any case, now I didn't secure my friend's forgiveness. So now this is troubling him. Now this is the person of Kamal. That he is not relaxed and casual when he has made a mistake. We make big, big blunders and it doesn't cross our mind also. Then what happened? What happened? Number one, we don't even know sometimes that we cause such a big blunder. And then if somebody points it out to us also, 
So what? It's not such a big deal. You don't worry about it. So this is the other point that when we make a mistake, we have to be concerned about rectifying the mistake. So Abu Bakr now decides to, what else does he do? He comes straight to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah's Nabi sallallahu is sitting with some sahaba. As he sees Abu Bakr approaching, he says to the others, he sees his face and he can work out, the face of a person gives one away. The face of a person will give the whole story what's going on inside. A person can be in the lap of luxury but he's crying. Or you see his face and you can say there's a big problem inside. A person can be in very, very tattered clothes also. But you can see from his face, is he happy? So in any case, as Abu Bakr approached, Nabi Islam looked at his face and he said to the Sahaba that were present there, Amma sahibukum hada faqad ghamara. That your companion, your friend is coming, he has had some problem with somebody. He has had some dispute with somebody. You can see it on his face. Abu Bakr comes, and then he explains the situation to Rasulullah because now he wants some guidance, some advice. What do I do here? And he says that this is, this is what happened, and he is open and honest about it. And he says, فَأَسْرَعْتُ alayhi That I exceeded the bounds, I, say, I was too hasty, I said something out of turn. Now what he said out of turn, if we say that kind of thing to one another, that too will be like a very courteous thing. But from his standard, he is saying that that was not right. In any case, what I said wasn't the appropriate thing. Now he is honest and open about it. But then he explains that I tried to ask for forgiveness from Umar But then he went away to his house, he didn't say anything. So now I came to you. So Nabi Islam first consoles him. And he says to him, Ghafar Allahu laka ya Aba Bakrin. Allah Ta'ala forgive you, O Bakr. Three times. In other words, you have that position and status that I am making dua of maghfirat for you. Any case now, Umar radiallahu went away into his house. Now this is also a person of kamal. A person of great position and status. And a person who had the reality in his heart. He was insan. At that moment he felt hurt. Now this is, we are not talking about 10 days later. This is all happening in minutes. Because Abu Bakr al reached the majlis of Nabi Wasallam, and shortly thereafter Umar al followed. So it all happened in short time. Now when he went away inside his house, barely a short time later he is regretting now. How did I do that? Abu Bakr asked me for forgiveness. And I didn't say anything. And I kept quiet. And I just came into the house. So he immediately left his house. Now can we imagine... On the one hand, he was the one who was, so to say, the victim, if you may call him that. That Abu Bakr erred in what he said. So now he could have tried to make an issue of that. It was his fault, why must I worry? Not my fault. And he came and I didn't say anything, he must come again. His problem? No. These people were people of Kamal. He left his house. And he went straight to the house of Abu Bakr And he's knocking the door. Where is Abu Bakr? Why? He's come to ask for forgiveness for not saying something good in return. For not having said at least that I have forgiven you. He's coming to ask for forgiveness for that. Now he picked up his mistake immediately. And when he picked up his mistake, he's not sitting and saying, well what? 
these are people who have true worth people who have values people who have real qualities in them these are our guiding stars these are the people who really showed us the true example that they were human beings they could also make mistakes they were not anbiya ali musallatu wasalam they were very great personalities the greatest after all the anbiya ali musallatu wasalam after the rank of nubuwwat is the rank of siddiqiyat and siddiqi akbar the greatest of all the siddiqin is sayyidina abu bakr radhiyallahu ta'ala and then next in virtue is Umar radiallahu ta'ala so, so great is their position but being insan they could make one mistake here and there by chance but this is the kamal this is the aspect that is really amazing this is what is really something to marvel at that how quickly they picked up their mistake and how immediately they thought nothing about themselves I am Abu Bakr and I am the closest to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Why should I ask anybody for forgiveness? Nothing like that. I am Umar ibn Khattab. And I have this position and say, why should I bother? Not even my fault. No. He comes up walking around his house. And is asking for, where is he? They say, no, he's not around. He says, not around. He can only be one place. He can only be by Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He comes straight to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Now, as Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam sees Hazrat Abu Bakr coming, Hazrat Umar coming in, so now Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam starts, his face starts changing color. Why? Because Abu Bakr was given, so to say, not the right treatment. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi is getting upset about this. Why was my Abu Bakr treated like this? Can we imagine what maqam and what position and status he held? Now look at the other part of the incident. As Umar is approaching, Nabi Sallallahu face is changing color. The signs of anger are coming upon him. Hazrat Abu Bakr this was an ideal opportunity for him, as we say, to rub it in more. Because he can see now, Nabi Sallallahu is getting upset. And he's obvious, he's getting upset on Hazrat Umar So this was the chance now. Really rub it in for him. What does he do? These are people without nafs. That nafs was dead. They had annihilated it. In order to make himself completely humble and to attract Nabi Wasallam's uh, grace and mercy with complete humility, he stands up on his knees and he starts saying, more than once he's saying now, Kuntu ana awlam ya Rasulullah. O Nabi of Allah, O Rasulullah, it was my fault. And he's saying it was my fault. In other words, he is covering up for Umar radiallahu ta'ala. Here he came to now complain, so to say. That I asked him for forgiveness, he didn't forgive me. Now when he sees that it's a chance that Umar radiallahu might become, uh, he might get reprimanded severely. He is standing to the defense of Umar radiallahu by bringing the blame on himself. And he's saying that, Ya Rasulullah, it was my fault. It was my fault. Any case, when he says this, Nabi Wasallam doesn't reply, doesn't say anything to him, doesn't say anything to Umar also. But when Umar comes and sits down in the gathering, Nabi Wasallam addresses everybody in general. And he says to everybody in general, that there was a time when I made the proclamation. Everybody else, meaning people in general. First they said, Kazabta. They know you're lying. Then after some time, people started coming in. And they started accepting Islam. In other words, he's addressing the Sahaba in general, 
that most first were not immediately into Islam. Either they made some comment or they stayed back or they delayed or whatever. And Abu Bakr, as soon as I proclaimed it to him on the spot, he was there. He accepted Islam. He immediately said, Sadaqah. That is where Siddiq came. And, Wawasani bi ahlihi wa malihi. He has helped me with his life, with his family, with his wealth, with everything. And then Nabi Islam said, Hal tariku li sahibi? Hal tariku li antum sahibi? Will you leave my companion for me? Please don't trouble him. So he addressed everybody in general. Obviously, everybody got the message. The narrator narrates and says, from thereafter, Hazrat Abu Bakr was never given any kind of inconvenience by anybody. Everybody gave him the highest level of consideration. But so many lessons to learn here, that how did this on the spot, Abu Bakr is asking for forgiveness. Then, on the spot, Hazrat Umar just a few moments later now, he realizes his mistake. He is coming to ask for forgiveness. Hazrat Umar is coming, Nabi Wasallam is upset. On the spot, Hazrat Abu Bakr is now asking or, or defending Hazrat Umar in a way, by bringing the blame onto himself. How did all this happen? All this came from the point of that they had complete control over these emotions. The emotions were there. Anger was there, the feeling of hurt was there, all these things were there, but how to control it, how to handle it, to expect it's not going to be there, that is wishful thinking, but how to handle it and how to control it, how to annihilate and suppress and trample that emotion of pride, that emotion that comes as a result of some haram that a person got involved in. Now the person is trying to stay away from it. But now that is pulling, shaitan is pulling at that time, is stirring all these emotions. That is the challenge. We, our, we are in this microwave age and we want to press a button and want everything to happen on the turn. It doesn't happen like that. There is an effort required. There is a learning process. And one has to remain firm in the face of the challenge. And control those emotions. And don't give in to it. So there's a struggle. In that struggle there's a tug of war. Shaitan and nafs are pulling on one side. You are pulling on the other side. In the process this heart breaks. Because both are tugging at that heart. Shaitan is tugging that heart in one direction towards haram. Towards a haram relationship. Towards haram actions. To looking at haram. Listening at haram. Talking haram. Dealing with people in a wrong way. You want to shun somebody because this person is not my fit for my company or not my class. All this is impermissible. On the other side now, shaitan is pulling in that direction. Nafs is pulling in that direction. But in the light of ilm, in the light of the environment of, the, the effects of the environment of deen, you now want to pull in another direction. So this tug of war. So when this tug of war takes place, both are tugging at the heart. So the heart breaks. Breaks in two and breaks in many, many pieces. And when this heart breaks, what can be said? All can, that can be said is that Mubarak. All can, that can be said is that that heart is the heart to be envied. That heart is worth every envy. Somebody will say, what is this? I'm broken hearted. I say my heart is worth of, worthy of envy. Others should envy my heart. 
I'm broken hearted. A broken hearted person is in pain. And my heart is worth of being envied. So one poet has encompassed this in one little poem. And he says, Bacha bacha ke narak ke aina hai wo aina ke shikasta ho to aziz tar hai nigah aina saaz mein. This is a couplet in Urdu. What is the poet saying? They don't try to save now the heart in Urdu poetry, Arabic poetry also, the heart is often referred to as a mirror. The heart is referred to as a mirror. A mirror, number one, is very, very sensitive. You handle it a little bit roughly, it'll break. It'll crash completely. The second thing is, a mirror, it reflects immediately. The heart, something happened around immediately, is taking a reflection. So, the heart is very sensitive, like a mirror. So, often, the poets, they refer to the heart as a mirror. So, this poet is saying, don't try to save this mirror, meaning the mirror of the heart, from breaking. Now, normally, when something breaks, then now, the owner looks at it, what says now, it broke now, so many pieces, take, throw it away. What does he do with it? Not worth keeping. So, when it breaks, now your attachment with it breaks also. Because it's broken now, what are you going to do with it? You had a, you'll feel hurt about it, whatever, but you throw it away, because now the attachment is broken. But the poet is saying that don't try to save this heart from breaking. Meaning breaking for Allah. Not breaking for dunya. Breaking for Allah. Don't try to save it from breaking. Because this heart, ke shikasta ho to aziz tar hai, when this mirror is broken, then when it is broken, it is more beloved in the sight of its maker. Normally, the thing breaks, the person throws it away. He doesn't want it. He made it too, he throws it away. What am I going to do with this now? But the heart is such a thing that when it breaks, then it is more beloved in the sight of its maker. Allah. Allah Ta'ala made this heart. Allah Ta'ala blessed us with this heart. And when it breaks for him, unfortunately, we only experience the breaking of heart for dunya and the breaking of heart for haram. When a person, uh, for example, now somebody, Allah forbid, got caught up in some haram relationship and then that relationship broke. Now they are heartbroken. Why they are heartbroken? Because the haram broke. Now they are feeling heartbroken only because the haram broke. In other words, they want to still continue with it. So they are feeling broken for that. But the other person is breaking his heart. Why? Ya Allah, I want to come to you. I don't want to be there. Yes, my heart is breaking in the process. But I am breaking it. I am allowing it to break. Because I want to be with you. There is the heart to get to you, to get to your closeness, to get to your love and muhabbat. If the only way is to break this heart, let it break. And Ya Allah, I am letting it break for you. Now that heart is breaking for Allah Ta'ala. That the person is saying, I don't want to do the haram. So my heart is breaking, but I don't want to do the haram. Subhanallah, what a heart. That heart shines more than gold. That heart shines brighter than the sun. Just that because this is dunya, the challenge of dunya would not remain if we could see it. And then there won't be any test left. So this is shining like in the Hadith Sharif it comes that those homes 
where the zikr of Allah Ta'ala is taking place, where the tilawat of the Quran Sharif is taking place, it shines to the angels like the stars shine to the people on the earth. When you look up at the sky, you see that star where it is millions of light years away. It is millions of years away in travel time. But you see it shining so brightly. So like that, the houses of the believers where there is this zikr of Allah Ta'ala taking place, remembrance of Allah Ta'ala taking place, tilawat taking place, it shines to the angels like that. So likewise, this heart also has a shine. Like that house shines because the name of Allah Ta'ala being taken in there. When this heart, Allah is in this heart. The love of Allah Ta'ala is there. This heart shines. We can't see it. Insan can't see it. But the angels see it. In the sight of Allah Ta'ala, this is shining. And those whom Allah Ta'ala has blessed with that insight, they see it also. So this is not something to become perturbed about. It's not something to start getting very, very... uh, frustrated about. No, this is something to embrace. This is something to wholeheartedly accept that Alhamdulillah, my heart broke for Allah Ta'ala. People are breaking their hearts for haram. People are breaking their hearts for filth. Allah Ta'ala has accepted my heart to break for Him. Subhanallah, what a heart. A heart worthy of envy. Now how this is an emotion. But when the person turned the mind in this direction, that this heart is breaking for Allah Ta'ala. What a wonderful thing. Now that whole emotion, it becomes easy, it becomes even a pleasure to handle it. One keeps making dua for afiyat, one is feeling sometimes a little bit down, but one is happy in the mind and heart that my heart broke for Allah Ta'ala. So this is the way to handle these emotions, that we have to learn how to handle it. We have to learn how to control it. We have to learn how to channel it. And when we learn how to channel it correctly, like that example we took previously, the finger of Nabi Islam got injured. What is he saying? Wahal anti illa isba'in the meeti. Wahal anti illa isba'un the meeti. Wafi sabilillahi malakiti. You just a finger that got injured. You got blood is now oozing out of you. But this happened in the path of Allah Ta'ala. Subhanallah, what a wonderful thing for you. Now that brought a beautiful twist to the whole thing. And it the, the pleasure of this thought masks the pain. It's there but is masked. So how this comes when we learn how to channel these emotions correctly, how to handle these emotions, which emotions to restrain, which emotions to move in a different direction, and all this becomes very easy for us then. May Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give me and all of us a tawfiq. Allah ta'ala fill our hearts with His muhabbat, with His love, and Allah ta'ala save us from everything that is impermissible. Wa akhiru da'wana an alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka shukru kulluhu. اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين والحمد لله رب العالمين